Well, fasting. Gosh, who wants to do that, right? You know, fasting is the most amazing experience you're going to have when you couple it with prayer. A lot of people fast because of just dietary reasons. They do it because it's healthy. They do it for a lot of things. But what if, what if just this one shot, this next 21 days, you jumped into it and you said, I'm going to give it my all. And what if in that 21 days, you saw answers to prayer, you saw lives changed, you saw some things that you've never seen before, would it be worth it? And you'd say, yes, that would totally be worth it. I'm probably more excited about this fast in this season than I have in any fast we've done since we started. We've done maybe three or four. And I think it is because there's just something in my spirit that is rising up and just saying, you know, this is the season, this is the time. I want you to really lock into fasting. Now, I'm going to confess to you, it's not easy. In fact, I don't know what it is. When I start to fast, my eyesight gets better. My sense of smell gets better. I see food, smell food I've never seen or smelled before. I see it from yards and yards away that I never saw before. Billboards, all of that stuff, it just lights up everywhere. You are hungry. Good Lord, look at me. I'm not hungry. I haven't been hungry forever, right? I think I can make it 21 days. What I want to talk to you about today, and I I want to make this really, really practical. I want to give you some reasons why I want you to see how this all fits into the big scheme of what God is up to. One of the things that I really believe is a benefit, it is going to increase your spiritual awareness. Trust me in this. When you start to fast and you read Scripture you're going to see it with a different set of eyes. Because what happens is there's a direct relationship between food and the spiritual realm. In fact, in the Bible, God says that, you know, feeding ourselves in the Word of God is kind of like feeding ourselves in the physical world. And when I do away with that, just some, whether it's a meal, two meals, or all the meals, when I do away with that, what happens is my spirit gets hungry. God, I don't know what to do. I committed to do this. I'm sorry I committed to do it right now because I'm hungry, but God, I'm pushing through. Sometimes I get so hungry in a fast, I can't pray. I did a fast, a seven-day fast uh, a number of years ago, uh, just no food, no meals at all. And about the third day, I really thought I was going to die. (laughs) I really did. I mean, have you ever done this? You go, I think I'm going to die. About the fourth day, I wasn't hungry. And by the fifth or sixth day, I didn't care if I ever ate again. And what happened was, it was more here than it was here. My mind just wants stuff like that. I just want brownies and hamburgers. I want those things in my life. And God says, do you want them more than you want me? That's what happens during a fast. And I I never would go through life when I'm not fasting and say, I want that more than God. But it's in that fast that I have a shift in my emotional, spiritual, and mental outlook on life. That's why I fast. This is kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment. A benefit of fasting is your clothes fit better. 
You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm looking forward to a fast because I've been really overdoing it on the food level for the last whatever, right? Hey, you know, that's not a reason to fast, but it is a nice benefit, isn't it? You just, you know, you kind of get some discipline back in your life. You get some order back in your life. You say, that makes sense to me. I'm going to do that for a while. You know, we were, uh, we were out to dinner with some friends last night, and as we were having dinner, we started telling stories about, you know, you know when you first get married and how poor you are. And you, now, some people get married, and they're like rich when they get married, right? But we weren't those people, right? We were like the poor people who got married, and everybody said, you don't have enough money to get married, and we didn't believe them, and we didn't have enough money to get married, but God just provided all along the way. So our plan was, we got married, then we moved down to New Orleans, and you can tell if people are from New Orleans the way they say it. If you say New Orleans, you are not from New Orleans, right? It's got to be one word, it's got to just keep running down the course. So anyway, we went down, did graduate school in New Orleans, and our plan was, we were going to have children after I graduated from seminary. And that, that was a great plan, you know, let's, you know, let's get through seminary, get through this this rough time of, uh, of master's program, and then let's, uh, then let's go ahead and we'll begin to move into the next realm of, of kind of raising children and getting a secure job and all those kind of good things that go along with it. But what happened was we had two children before we graduated from seminary. That meant that the already poor Hotzenpellers were now poorer still. And, you know, in this whole process of, and, and this story is, is really going somewhere related to fasting, believe it or not. Um, in that process of doing that, we, we didn't have a lot of money, and so we had a, a diaper bucket. Anybody remember those things? Now, now, now it's kind of hipster cool. You know, you get the diaper service, and, you know, they bring the cloth diapers, and you think your baby's better for it. They're not. They're setting the same stuff. Don't worry about it. It's just all nasty kind of stuff, Right. Um, it's just not a good thing, right? That's why everybody's goal is to get them what? Potty train, not to see how long they can live in a cloth diaper. We want this out of our life as quick as we can. So we had a bucket. And in that bucket, what you do, for those of you who are novices in this world, you have a bucket, it's full of water and Clorox, and you take the diapers after you've kind of cleaned the bad part off, and you put them in the bucket. You let them soak, and then when they soak, you put them in the washing machine. So in the washing machine they go, they come out clean, they're ready to be, you know, damaged goods again. So in the process of all of this, we had a little apartment in New Orleans, and we had our church that we pastored in Baton Rouge. So we drove 120 miles every Friday night. On Saturday, I'd get up, and I would minister to people and prepare my sermon. On Sunday morning, I would get up and preach a message, and then that night, I would preach another message. And then either that night or Monday morning, we would drive back and do the same routine. And we had, uh, had, we had a washing machine and dryer up at this little house the church provided. And so what we would do is we would take the bucket and put it in the back of the car every Friday, and we would drive the bucket of dirty diapers in Clorox 120 miles so we could wash them because we really wanted to save money and not go do the quarter on the laundromat. And that was our routine. And one time, as Tammy was telling this story last night, I just looked over at her and I was so enjoying her telling the story and just watching her and the expressions and her face. And it took me back into those days, you know, where life was so super simple. Remember those days? Super simple. Not easy necessarily, but just simple. Something we all long for, right? Just super simple days. 
And she's telling the story, and we're, go, we're going up to the, uh, uh, to the church, and she says, we need to stop and buy some Pampers because we don't have any diapers left. And I said, we don't have any money. It's either gas in our car or Pampers on our children. You know, as a man, you don't feel good about that. You feel like, wow, why couldn't I provide diapers for my kids? You know, and you go through all those kind of emotions in human emotions in life where you're just trying to, you're trying to make it, you're trying to, to be in control, you're trying to have all those things. And kind of, I, I said it kind of flippantly, you know, and, and probably didn't mean it as spiritual as it came across, but I said, well, just pray that they don't go, you know, from 100, you know, 120 miles. When we get up there, we can solve the problem. We put gas in the car and off we went. On the way up, we're driving. We're just, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm reflecting all of this. And as we drive up, we, we pull up. We had a little carport on the side of our house. And there's a giant box on the, on the front porch of our house. And I, Tammy said, what's that? I said, I don't know what that is. And so we pulled in and we got everybody kind of shuffled in the house. And then I went through the house, got out on the front porch. And I discovered this giant cardboard box that was maybe this wide and maybe this tall. It was giant. And I broke it open and I opened it up and there was not a, a box of Pampers. It was an entire case of Pampers, like something you would send to a store. You see, God knew what I was going through, what we needed, what Tammy was going through before, before we ever had the provision for it. A man in the church that named Homer, he was a guy that ran a little country store. He wasn't a Christian at the time. He didn't go to church at all. He would later come to faith in Christ and come to church. But at that time, he was not. He was talking to his wife who did go to church, and she said, you know, I, he said, I want to do something for the pastor. I wonder what I should do. And he said it was like, like God told him to give us pampers. So we went back into a storeroom, and that big delivery of, of pampers, he gave, me the entire, gave us the entire case of pampers. You know, and I look back on that, and you know, what made that possible was simplicity and faith, and sometimes God even answering things beyond what you could ask. I think there's some things in your life that you need answered like that today. I think there's some miracles that God wants to do in your life today, and he can't do it without prayer and fasting. There was a boy that was demon-possessed, the Bible says. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 17. Disciples went to him and they wanted to help the boy. They'd been with Jesus after all. They, they knew all the right words and they'd been praying and they were totally unsuccessful and the, the man brought the boy to Jesus. Jesus took care of the problem. Disciples a little humiliated, a little hurt. They said, Jesus, we don't understand. Why couldn't we get the demon out of the boy? He said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. And what he was telling us was something about the spiritual world. It was this, that sometimes prayer is not enough. That almost sounds like heresy, doesn't it? Praying is not enough. There are some things in your life, there's some dimension, there's some things that God wants to do. He cannot do unless you fast. You unless you do it. You can say, well, I don't, I don't buy that. That's okay. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to believe it. But if you want to experience some breakthroughs in your life, you might have to add to that fasting. Let's suppose that I, it's kind of like tools in a toolbox. Let's suppose that I'm going to do some construction, and we're doing construction on every side around here. We've got a new roof going on. 
We've got coffee shop renovation happening. And if that's not enough, we get the only rain we've had in the year, right? I mean, did you wake up this morning, you hear that big boom of rain? I go, what is that? I look outside, what is that? Oh, it's rain. Yeah, I remember that stuff. But, but you see, what if I take and I reach in my toolbox and I'm going to cut a board and I take the hammer and I start beating on the board with the hammer. Somebody comes along and goes, what are you doing? I'm sawing this board in half. He goes, well, no, that's a hammer. You can't hammer the board. You got to saw. I don't like saws. Saws are sharp. They're too much work. I like hammers. I like the momentum. I like the weight. And that's what happens when we pray and we don't fast. It's like cutting a board with a hammer when you've got a saw and you can get the job done quicker and more effectively. So that's what we want you to do is understand how fasting can really play a big part in your life like that. You know, I also think it's for clarity in major decisions. You, you have decisions you need to make. What if you had clarity? What if you knew the mind of God in each one of those situations? Wouldn't that be beneficial? You know, when we started, we, we, we kind of got this idea going, why are we fasting for 21 days? And we're going we're gonna to go into a 21-day fast detail later on. We're going to do three more sermons on the subject of fasting. But today, we're going to try to introduce it to you. But we started this church with this, this phrase. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know it. What is, let me ask them, what if you right now, in all of your going through, you're in a miracle and don't even know it? What if God's doing something and he's arranging situations, circumstances, bringing people into your life, and you don't have a clue what he's doing? But what he's doing is he's prompting you by this message or by these scriptures or by a story or by someone else's story and saying, but if you, you can get a breakthrough, you can get an answer, you can see something you'd never see before, would you fast? Would you fast? We're praying for, as a church... As Tammy already said, three positions, a family life pastor, community life pastor, and also a director of children's ministry. Those are the three that we're saying, God, we want your will. We want, if this is what you want, would you bring people in? Would you just take care of everything we need to do this? Because we, we really believe there's another level of, uh, of ministry that we want to do to minister to people and to families. And that's, that's just our heart. You know, we don't want to make this just a personnel matter. We want it to make it a part of the heart. As you start to think about this, I, I, I want to take you to a scripture, and I want to give you four big thoughts today, but I want to take you to Acts chapter 9, and here's the first big thought. I want you to think about this. Know God. No, nothing else gets better until you say, I know God. Do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know Him? On, in Acts chapter 9, it's the Apostle Paul before he comes to faith in Christ. And it says he's, he's on this journey. He's going to Damascus. You know what he was doing? He was killing Christians. I mean, how horrifying was it when you read the report? I, I read the front page New York Post about the, the gunman in Oregon. And he went through in the first question. He lined everybody up. First question, are you a Christian? And he found out, yes, he shot them. And if they were not, he shot them in the leg. I mean, think about the day we live in. Here's a trivia question. Trivia question that I know you'll get wrong. I want you just to write it down. Just think about it. How many school shootings have there been in 2015? How many school shootings? You got a number? Would you believe the number is 45 this year already? 45 school shootings. That's more than one a week is happening right now in America. You think this world is not out of control? You want something to pray and fast about? Pray about 
stopping the tide of evil in our land. Just start there. It occurred to me the other day that the three places where people want to feel safe and typically do feel safe have been the target of this kind of activity over the last year. Movie theater. I mean, I just want to go in and eat popcorn. (laughs) School and church. See, because the enemy, now here's the principle, here's the spiritual principle. He wants to disrupt the places where you feel the safest, the most secure, the most at ease, where your guard is down. What we want to do is we want to strengthen the spiritual man so that we can face everything in life. So here's Paul. He's on a journey, it says, Acts chapter 9, verse 3. He came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone uh, on him from heaven. Now we're going to go and read more of this, but think about this. He's going to kill Christians. All of a sudden a light comes. It knocks him to the ground. We're going to learn later that he's blinded by this. You see, because God wanted him to know him. Do you know that God will go to a lot of lengths to help you to know him? Leighton Ford put it like this, God loves us the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. You see, we owe the world an encounter with God. When I have a God encounter, I owe it to people around me to give them a God encounter too. Therefore, we are relentless in the pursuit and the presence of the power inside and outside the church. We got to be telling that story. We were, uh, we were away on, on holiday, and uh, it was our anniversary, and we were seated at a table with a man who, who owned the, the hotel where we were staying. He was completely deaf, and he began to tell us about a relationship that was a bit estranged with his daughter, and, and, uh, and I just quoted 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails, and he repeated it back. And then as we were going on, I, I just thought, I've got to take him to another level. And I took him to John 3, 16, opened up my phone. I, I said, here, read this. And he's reading it. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he stopped and he said that, this is the question he asked me, who is the son? And I'm sitting there with a guy who overlooks Rome, who's lived in what's called the eternal city most of his life. And he asked me, who is the son? People don't even know it's Jesus or what he did. We owe the world something. We also, in this Christian life, we need to find freedom. Do you have freedom right now in your life? Do you feel in bondage? Life exciting for you, life boring for you. Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, it says, Then he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He didn't know who it was, but he said, If anybody can do this with this kind of power, it must be God. You need a God encounter like that where you just you say, God, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me, God? Here's what I, I, I hope you'll expect. I want you to expect during this season of fasting, a greater sense of the presence of God. Whatever awareness you have of God right now, I believe in fasting, it'll go to another level. Also, a newfound ability to connect the spiritual to your daily life. You'll begin to look at things, your mind's going to be more alert, you're going to look at things and go, I can make this connection and that connection in the spiritual realm that I never did because, you know, whatever, I was distracted by food. I think you're going to have a greater appreciation for others. You know, I was, uh, 
I was walking somewhere with my wife and I was griping about having to walk too far. You ever had one of those moments? Uh, Good Lord, I need to walk more, right? But I'm griping. "Ah, Why we got to walk? Walking down the hill. I got to walk back up the hill. You know, I don't know why hills are that way. Why can't they both both ways be down? I mean, you know, I'm just doing the griping thing, right? Have you ever done that? And I'm kind of going off and off and on and, you know, just like, you know, thinking about it. And instead of going, thank you, God, for two feet. Can anybody relate to me? Or am I the only guy that's this shallow, right? Anybody else shallow in this town? Would you just raise your hand, right? Okay. So anyway, I'm, I'm just kind of going along shallow. And all of a sudden, here comes a wheelchair and a guy in it who's a quadriplegic. And I felt so ashamed, instantly ashamed. What am I doing? What am, what's wrong with Phil? And it was like God's Spirit just said, you got you to gotta get over some of the shallow stuff. You know, I thought that video was good. Where, you know, I mean, think about selfies. If it's not enough that we've got to name it, now we've even got a stick that's named after it. We get a selfie stick, you know, so we can... You don't look that good, that close. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I look at the selfie, I think, good Lord, I don't even want a selfie, right? I'm better at like 100 yards. Give me a selfie stick with a 100 yards reach on it, amen? But you have a greater appreciation for others, but I also think you have joy in little things. Have you ever found joy in just little things? Last night when Tammy was telling the story, I just looked over her and I watched her and I thought, I got so much joy just watching her tell the story. It's a little thing. I knew the story and every time I hear the story, I like the story. But you know, just the joy in the little things in life and just, just, you know, we were talking one day, John and I were talking and we just said, you know, we kind of love the big dysfunctional family. I mean, what if everybody was like normal, Right? I mean, there'd be no variety. There'd be no fun. I mean, there'd be nothing to talk about. I mean, you'd never have the conversation. Can you believe how weird that dude is? You'd never get that conversation. And how much fun is that, right? And I know you probably go home and go, that P- Pastor Phil, I don't know, he's a little strange, right? You'd never get that joy if I wasn't a little weird. Amen? Come on now. Come on, give me a little bit here, right? Amen? Got to give me a little bit here. But I also think in, in fasting, you're going to experience some healing from the past. There's some stuff in you that you know doesn't belong there. And it raises its head when it's not supposed to. Right? When somebody pushes your hot button, it comes out. And it never comes out in a good way. You ever notice that? That's what you learn in the first year of marriage. You learn how to push the hot buttons. Oh, you don't like that? Well, I don't like what you're doing, so bam! I'll show you, right? Anybody know about that? Anybody still using the hot buttons in their marriage, right? In the relationships? Come on, raise a few hands. Anybody? Nobody's willing to admit it. Yeah, a couple of you. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you for that. Why do we do that? Because there's something in us that's not 100% right. Right? We're just not normal. Not perfect. That's okay if you're willing to work on it. If you're willing to do something about it. Let me give you the third big thought, and that's discover purpose. You ever just had one of those thoughts like, why am I here? I don't mean here in church. I mean, why am I on planet Earth? 
I go through the same routine. I get up, I go to work, I, you know, I pay my bills, and I go through the thing, you know, all, you know, it's just cycle, you know, cycle, 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 cycle. Is this going anywhere? Yeah, it's going to go to retirement, and it's going to go to a nursing home, and then you get to, you know, eat bran muffins until the day you die. Oh, oh this is great. I love life. <laughs> right? Isn't that, isn't that exciting? You know the difference between eating healthy and eating unhealthy? Seven more days in a nursing home. That's all it is. Just seven more days in a nursing home, right? Eat healthy, you don't eat healthy, you get seven more days. Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Here's Paul. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Blinding light knocks you to the ground. You hear the voice. All the guys around you hear it. It's a good question. God, what do I do here? And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, but when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, for he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. So what happened was, he fasted because it was such a traumatic experience in his life. You ever had something traumatic in your life and you you don't eat? You know, that's kind of one of these kind of fasts. That's what's happening. It was like, I didn't want to fast, but wow, life just demanded it. We're giving you a choice to fast, which is kind of cool. Some aspects of your life, now here's a good truth. Listen to this one. Some aspects of your future cannot be known without fasting. There's some things you cannot know except you fast. You say, well, I don't believe that. Okay. It's just what the Bible teaches us. Well, I'm a smart guy and I can reason and I do a lot of long-range planning. Okay, but if you don't fast, there's some aspects of your life you're not going to know. You cannot know it. Fasting removes the clutter from your mind and your spirit. That's what it does. It gets the stuff out of there for a while so you can think a little bit clearer. There's three words I want you to write down. If you haven't written down anything yet, I want you to write these three words down. First word is the word expectation. Would you write that down? expectation. Then I want you to say it with me out loud. I'd like on the first run you to get it good and loud so we don't have to do it like five times, you know, like remedial kind of repeat after the pastor thing. Oh, you got it? Okay, here's the first word. Ready? What is it? Expectation. Expectation. All right, that's good enough. Expectation. Expectation is a strong belief that something good is going to happen. What if you lived your life like that? What if you said, I expect something good is going to happen instead of, I don't know what today holds. Man, it, life's tough. Hate to go to school. Hate to go to work. Hate to, hate to, hate to, hate to. What if you just said, I got an expectation. I'm going to look for the good. You know, I got a friend who's a pessimist. He can go in the most beautiful meadow in the entire world and find a cow patty. You know what I'm talking about? Why not go into the meadow and find the beauty that's there? Go into your world and find an expectation of something good is going to happen. Second big word is the word discernment. Would you say it with me? Discernment. Discernment. Now let me give you what discernment is. Discernment is the ability to understand the meaning or the importance of something. You look at it and you go, no, that has meaning and that has importance. That's discernment. Third word you're going to really like is the word clarity. Let's say that together. Ready? Clarity. Clarity. Now, now here's my definition of it. The ability, the ability to see one path versus many. One path versus many. You know what confuses me is options. 
Have you ever had this go on in your life like, well, I could do this, I could do this, I could do that. You know, all that does is messes me up. I don't want options. I hate going to a restaurant and they have too many things to pick. You know, I, I, I mean, I went to, into a restaurant the other day and it was like 40 pages long. I don't know. You know, I've changed my mind four times because I got pictures and the pictures are worse because now I got, that's a good looking, wow, look at that. Right? And I turn it over. Options just drive me crazy. What if you had clarity and you said, no, I have clear direction on exactly what I'm supposed to do. And, and so what I do is this is a path of simplicity versus complexity. Don't you love simplicity? I mean simplicity. My phone is complex. Let me tell you why my phone is complex. Because you will text me or somebody will text me a message and I'll read it. And I have every intention of texting you back. And then I get five more texts. I forget about you. Not intentionally. I've just got, you're not at the top of the heap anymore. Right? So the texts are going down. Somebody says, hey, I texted you. I said, oh, you did? I must not have got it. You ever said that? Must not have got it. And you go back and you look, oh, yeah, here it is. Then you've got to go do a, a repentant text. Right? I'm sorry I found your text. You know? Okay, that's complex to me. Emails. I got Gmail. Right? Gmail is kind of a cool thing, except it ties all these threads of emails together. So I sent an email to a guy. Maybe there's four people on it. I only want to respond to one guy. Respond to that one guy. Now, those other three guys don't got it. But then I'm responding back. Now, the next, he responds back. And now I want to respond back to the other three. But I've got to go back to the original thread to get back to. And I'm going, this is complex. So I start a new thread, a brand new email. Here's a brand new email, new thread. It goes, hey, what happened to that other thing? Oh, it's on the other thread. I'm sorry. Go check that. It's complex. Let me tell you, simple. We were pastoring in Louisiana, right out of seminary. They had something that most of you have never heard about. It's called a party line. Anybody ever heard about a party line? Party line was the worst idea ever, ever known to man, right? Here's the idea. We don't have enough lines coming into the, your little city. So what we're going to do is we're going to group four or five of you together with the same phone number. So when the phone rings, you go, no, this is not so-and-so, and you hang up, right? Okay, here's the problem. When you're a pastor and you have a party line, everybody wants to scoop what everybody's doing that ain't right. So you'll be on the phone, you'll be like, yeah, talking to somebody, counsel, yeah, that's awful, awful. And then you'll hear somebody, and I go, hey, is somebody on there? <laughs> somebody on there, listen in, and then you hear, just real gentle, click, click. <laughs> the really good ones that take the microphone out, you know, the microphone, all they get, you know, you don't even hear them, they're just like stealthy, you know, they're like super stealthy, right? Simple, in life, simple like that. We want simple in life. The word for clarity, the origin of the word, it actually comes out of the Latin, it comes out of the French. It means brightness or splendor. When you have clarity, you have brightness and you have splendor. You're not, you're not fuzzy in the mind. You're not trying to figure it out. You've got clarity and direction in your life. And then last big thought is make a difference. What if you, made it, what if you could really make a difference in the world? Not just in your life. Not just make your life better. What if you could make a difference somehow in somebody's life? In Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, God gets this guy named Ananias. He says, I want you to go over there and talk to Paul. He doesn't want to go. He's killing Christians. He says, no, he's a servant of mine. It's safe. Go over there. I want you to minister to him. It says here in verse 15, but the Lord said unto him, go, for he is my chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know what? You know what Saul is doing? He's finding purpose in life there. 
Chris Hodges wrote this. I thought it was so good. If you want to enjoy a vibrant, fully alive life, you must have something to focus on that's bigger than your problems. You ever just get stuck on your problems? What am I going to do? I got a problem, got this, got... You just get stuck there. And you got nothing bigger than your problems to focus on. Or you choose not to focus on something bigger. What if you say, I'm going to choose to focus on that. Those problems are going to be with me probably the rest of my life, or I can't deal with them right now, but I'm going to focus. What's the bigger thing? What's the bigger thing I can focus in on? Focus on what's happening in you and not to you. What's happening inside of you? That's, you've, you get the inside right, the outside's going to work. You get the inside right, you can cope with the outside stuff. It's when you don't have anything on the inside and then, then life changes. And you know, life changes without expectation. Doesn't it? I mean, it, how long does it take for you to find out you have cancer? Right? How long does it take for you to get in a wreck? How long does it take for you to lose a job? Spouse to leave you. Child to say he hates you. How long does it take? It takes that long. And we live with this, with this idea that we are totally invulnerable. I mean, we, we cannot be violated. We are strong and we are in control of our life. And yet there are other forces and individuals in this world that have say over you without your permission. You've got to be inside strong so you can be outside strong. Focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening outside. Look for ways to leverage your faith into new realms of power. You say, I don't have much faith. Jesus said, you don't have to have a bunch of faith. You just got to have a mustard seed faith. You take that little one, leverage that into new realms of power for your future. Do something for someone you don't know. We know we like to do stuff for people we know right? Like, you know, it's John's birthday. So afterwards today, you want to go by and give John a $50 bill, right? How many of you like to do that? Well, maybe not this year, John. But anyway, you see, do something for somebody you don't know. Stand in line at a coffee shop and buy the coffee behind him. He said, I can't afford to buy two. Then buy one and give him yours. You will feel better doing that than you will drinking that coffee. I promise you will. You go try it, and if you don't, John will pay the difference of the coffee for his birthday present. How about opening the door for somebody? I got to admit, I drove up to the coffee shop the other day, and, and I, there were a bunch of cars flying in there, you know, and there was a car got out, like five people got out of the car, and I go, what's, what's my first thought? I got to get out of my car first. I don't want to be in front of them. I don't want to watch five people order coffee. Why did I do that? Because I'm selfish. right? You said, no, you're efficient. No, I'm selfish. (laughs) You say you really need to come. No, I'm selfish. How about this one? You come down, you're going to park in a place. There's one spot. You clearly get to the space first before somebody else. They acknowledge that you've got to the space first. What do you do? You turn in with great pride (laughs) that you have now beat them to a space. Okay, here's what you do. You stop, even though you got there first, and say, why don't you go ahead and go in there? Just try it. Try it. See how you feel, and see how selfish you are when you don't want to do it. 
Because at the core of everything that we live with is selfishness. Isn't it? And we got to break out of that to be different in our life. We gain a new perspective on our own problems when we focus on the needs of others. Life just looks different when I say, look at their need. What if I helped them? What if I did something for them? The purpose of prayer is not to inform God what needs to be done on earth. The purpose of prayer is to align ourselves with the realities of heaven. That's why you pray. Because earth just has too much sway over you. During the next 21 days of fasting, I want you to put your boldest request on that cross over there. You see all the slips of paper? That's from this first service, and people wrote down something, and they said, I got a bold request. I need God something to do something in my life. Maybe it's restore a relationship. Maybe give you a job. Maybe bring healing. Maybe sustain healing. Whatever it might be. I went over after the first service, and I grabbed three pieces of paper, and I wrote down three. I haven't put them on the cross yet, but I wrote down three different things that I wanted to see God do. Here's what I believe. I believe action activates the power of God. Action activates the power of God. By the way, the word action, when you, when you do something, it activates everything. When you begin to work a job, when you get active in it, what happens? The job begins to move. When you begin to take action in the spiritual realm, it activates God. God says, oh, I see you're serious now. You're serious about this. I'm going to get involved in your life. I'm going to do that. This is more than just a time for us to seek direction and wisdom from God as a church. It's really a time for you to to seek out God in your own way and say, God, what what are you doing in me? You see, when fasting and prayer enter into something, what we do is we get past this thing of, well, I always wanted to do this, or, you know, this is what my heart is, or, you you know, I can use the right terminology and be wrong. I can pray about stuff and be in the wrong direction. I want clarity in my life. I'm going to say, God, I'm going to put before you for the next 21 days in prayer and fasting, and I want you to give me clear direction about what you want, not what I want. I wonder what he'd say. I wonder how he'd speak. Wouldn't it be fun to find out? We're going to give you that chance. Let's all stand together, and if you just bow your head, and, and uh, I'm going to just pray for you for a moment. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you, um, as soon as I'm done praying, um, musicians are going to be here and, and play. But as soon as I'm done praying, I'm going to invite you to go over to that cross. There's going to be people there that will help you with uh, prayer requests. And just take a slip of paper right on there what you'd like to see God do in the next 21 days. And then when you're done with that process, and just you can just make your way by the cross and services is over and you can head on home or to, to lunch if you're not fasting. And, and, uh, but I, I want you to, to take serious the idea of action activates the power of God in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just pray that as we start to think about what you've said to us and how you want to really change us from the inside out, you want us to focus on something bigger than our problems. And God, you, you, know, you know us better than we know ourselves that we pray maybe too little and we maybe rarely ever fast. But you, you want to bring us back, God, to a position of, of really fasting and praying and believing and seeing the hand of God. So I pray, God, you'll just move, move people right now. Just move them to, to the cross. If God's speaking to you right now, just move to the cross. Just go over there right now as I'm finishing praying. Just head over to the cross. I just want to, I got to put something on that cross. I got to pray for a relationship. I got to pray for a job. I got to pray for hope. I got to pray for whatever. 
So God, we just give this time to you right now. We ask you to move in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.